0: Let us hear and read together God's word from Jeremiah chapter 3, reading from verse 6 to chapter 4, verse 4. During the reign of King Josiah, the Lord said to me, have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She has gone up on every high hill and under every spreading tree and has committed adultery there. I thought that after she had done all this, she would return to me, but she did not. And her unfaithful sister Judah saw it. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries. Yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear. She also went out and committed adultery." Because Israel's immorality mattered so little to her, she defiled the land and committed adultery with stone and wood. In spite of all this, her unfaithful sister Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but only in pretense, declares the Lord. The Lord said to me, Faithless Israel is more righteous than unfaithful Judah. Go proclaim this message towards the north. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am faithful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favours to foreign gods under every spreading tree. And have not obeyed me, declares the Lord. Return, faithless people, declares the Lord. For I am your husband. I will choose you, one from a town and two from a clan, and bring you to Zion. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will lead you with knowledge and understanding, In those days when your numbers have increased greatly in the land, declares the Lord, people will no longer say, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It will never enter their minds or be remembered. It will not be missed, nor will another one be made. At that time they will call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all nations will gather in Jerusalem to honor the name of the Lord. No longer will they follow the stubbornness, of their evil hearts. In those days, the people of Judah will join the people of Israel. They will join the people of Israel and together they will come from a northern land to the land I gave your ancestors as an inheritance. I myself said, how gladly would I treat you like my children and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. But like a woman unfaithful to her husband, so you, Israel, have been unfaithful to me, declares the Lord. A cry is heard on the barren heights, the weeping and pleading of the people of Israel, because they have perverted their ways and have forgotten the Lord their God. Return, faithless people. I will cure you of backsliding. Yes, we will come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Surely the idolatrous commotion on the hills and mountains is a deception. Surely in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. From our youth, shameful gods have consumed the fruits of our ancestors' labor, their flocks and herds, their sons and daughters. Let us lie down in our shame And let our disgrace cover us. We have sinned against the Lord our God, both we and our ancestors. From our youth till this day, we have not obeyed the Lord our God. If you, Israel, will return, then return to me, declares the Lord. If you put your detestable idols out of my sight and no longer go astray, and if in a truthful, just, and righteous way you swear as, true, as surely as the Lord lives, then the nations will invoke blessings by him, and in him they will boast. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem Break up your unplowed ground, and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, circumcise your hearts you people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or my wrath will flare up and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Paul, for that, and thank you, everyone, um, for leading and speaking thus far. Good morning, friends. Good morning. Now, for those who don't know me, my name is Abby, and I have the privilege of being part of the leadership team here. And I play the role of one of the pastors. And my other colleague is now on annual leave. Enjoying yesterday, he sent me a picture in the pool. I'm like fantastic. Um, um, I mean, it's warm here. We wish we were outside, really. And, um, but here we are. I don't know which uh, kind of weather is this. Congo weather, probably. It's great, but maybe it's too hot for some or others. Um, I have to make a confession. So, we are... Uh, 10 or 12 minutes uh, behind our schedule. So if you see me going on and on and on, no, I'll try my best. (laughs) Please, let us pray. Father, as Eric said, when he introduced that song, that each one of us Would be prepared and yearn that you speak to us? And as we sang that song, and as we have already heard your word being read to us, and now as we turn to the proclamation of it, would you continue to speak, your Lord? Use me as a mere vessel. Help me by your spirit to communicate your word faithfully to your people and send us from here, not the same way we came in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Although the weather looks fabulous, but these are dark days. Every day we hear of horrific tragedies. Just this last week, three innocent people were stabbed to death in Nottingham. You could not help but weep with the family. A boat carrying over 500 migrants sunk in the Mediterranean Sea. About 40 people including students were killed in a school attack in Uganda, carried out by militants linked to the ISIS group. These are dark days. While such tragedies can occupy our minds and can be sometimes on our lips, it's worth remembering, each one of us, that calamity can happen to anyone of us because we are all human. Anyone can be killed. As death is the common denominator for anyone, friends, the state of our own soul should always be the first concern as we journey together through this life and prepare to enter the next one. Speaking to the crowd who were talking about some tragedies that have happened, including some innocent bystanders, standard killed when a tower fell on them, Jesus strongly laid down the universal and absolute necessity of repentance by emphatically twice saying the words that come on the screen. Unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now this is a hard saying Hard saying, hard saying to listen or, or I will say in the ears of us folks in the 21st century. But let me say, these words are words of love. For it is love, tender love, which warns and raises. The cry of alarm or alarm, depending what accent you want to use. Is alarm or alarm? Alarm. Thank you for teaching me always. For raising the cry of alarm, the cry of fire, fire. Particularly those days when we do not have the alarm, when you have to shout for someone. At midnight, perhaps, may sometime agitate, scare a person out of his sleep, rudely, harshly, and pleasantly. But who would complain if that cry was the means of saving your life? These words, unless you repent, you too will perish, may seem at first harsh and severe but they are words of love. And maybe the means of delivering your precious life from some disasters, danger, if not from hell. Unfortunately, teaching, talk, and thought about repentance have disappeared and vanished in our churches, even in the lives of of us people of the church. Rarely, if ever, do we hear a sermon about repentance. Rarely, if ever, do we talk to each other about repentance. It's become a greater unmentionable. The words repent and repentance carry no clear meaning to us. In fact, they sometimes signify something completely stranger. But this topic of repentance was primarily the preaching on the lips of Jesus. Not only from this text, but also he was his first sermon to this dark world. It was primarily the preaching of Peter, of John the Baptist who preceded Jesus, of Paul, And in fact, last words on paper we hear from the great apostle Peter include the description of Jesus as, uh, I quote, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Second Peter chapter two verse, uh, second Peter chapter three verse nine. The call to repentance is not only something we find in the Bible, But when people in the past age understood that, the great man who brought a reformation in this world by the name of Martin Luther, as we can see the picture there, it's not him, but it's a picture. Anyway, putting those five, 95 theses, you know the whole story. But the first one sometimes is overlooked. The first of these theses that brought change, reformation in the world, says when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he meant the whole life of a believer to be a practice of repentance. So when we're talking about repentance, it's not something those out there, it is about us. And long before that, prophet also spoke about repentance. And that's why we've been looking at Jeremiah, the first six chapters. For those who are joining us, this theme of the ancient path, we are looking rise from chapter 6, verse 16. And today, we are in this path of repentance. The Lord wants us to go back to this ancient path. And walk in it. And look, not shy away. Be challenged, be uplifted, be encouraged. In the light of Judah's sin, God, through the prophet of Jeremiah, invited the nation to repent. I don't want to go into detail. The section that Paul read to us has 15 times the term in its various meaning and other ways of conveying the same thought of repentance, 15 times. In other words, the section is a profound reflection of calling us to repentance. And so where the repentance begins? It begins, friends, with knowledge of sin. And that's what we found in these first uh, uh, verses from verse 6 all the way to verse 11. Briefly, let's be in no doubt, we are all born in sin. It's a fact. We naturally love to sin. It's a fact. In Jeremiah's time, the sin that the people committed was a spiritual idolatry. Now, to understand this is to understand that the relationship between God and his people is described as a wonderful marriage. God is the faithful husband. Unfortunately, his people are the ones that went and committed multiple affairs, affair after affairs leaving the loving, the faithful husband God and going after other husbands. What they did in reality was an insult to the character of God. And to put it uh, perhaps in another way, is like uh, they were saying, you are a rubbish husband. We found... Uh, Neither joy, nor satisfaction, nor pleasant to stay with you. You are just a rubbish husband. You are not attractive. We are going to these other lovers. That's where we find the joy and satisfaction and uh, our source of uh, pleasure. But as we saw last week, When they did that, they were utterly miserable. Because sin is counterproductive and self-defeating. Those who went for other source of what we call the sustenance, broken sustenance, to try to drink, to find joy, they were still thirsty. And to understand this knowledge of sin that uh, these verses are talking, we need to go back a little bit uh, to where we are in the history of Israel. In this time when Jeremiah is speaking, the kingdom has already been divided between the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. So north and south. And so both were uh, dear to the Lord. But the kingdom of north have left the Lord, have committed this multiple affair and after affair. God was patient and many a time he called them, come back, and they would not listen. He used the prophet like Amos, like Hosea, but they did never listen to them. And the obvious happened, the obvious. Is that that nation of the kingdom of Israel fell under great judgment of God and the hammer of Assyria. That's what uh, the Lord is uh, using uh, the expression here in verse 8. If you go back to your Bible, and I would really encourage you to look at the Bible. In verse 8, the expression which he says there, I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce. So, The kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom, have now gone. God has punished them. Who was watching is the kingdom of South. And by the way, as a trauma happened in the north, I'm sure some of the people ran to the south with horrific stories. You know when we have refugees in our midst. So Judah was watching, but instead of uh, listening carefully, this object lesson that is there in in front of their eyes, we are told in the reading there that uh, Judah had little. Um, uh, uh, this, uh, 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 Judah, when he looked at the scene, the scene uh, uh, mattered little to him. So he went and committed the same thing that the north were committing. And this is something which is relevant to us. I want to go into much details. The hypocrisy of the south, the kingdom of Judah, became even more obvious because when the Lord was speaking to them, And why they did not pay attention? Because at that time, they felt a bit secure. They had a good governance. Everything was fine. It's like, ha, 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 this will never happen to us. What happened to the north? We are fine here. But the Lord kept calling them, come back. But they only returned in pretense rather than wholeheartedly. What is interesting, during this time, there were a lot of uh, what we can call religious activities increased because at that time, you know, they had now um, some reformation begin to happen again. The, the, uh, Josiah is there in the south and doing all that. Increase, come and take communion and do all this. But God was looking not what was on the surface. God was looking what was inside the heart. To put it in another way, one Puritan and say one of the greatest things in the church these days is formalism, formalism, and formalism, or formality and formality and formality. Let me put another example. I want to name the church, but if you heard it, there's no harm. In hearing it again I went to preach to a particular church and in that church when you lead the whole service please don't miss to bring the people to say the Lord's Prayer so I was already in the vestry as we gathered they said pastor or minister at that time make sure that the Lord's Prayer is in your liturgy I say I'll do my best But then as I listened to what they were talking, they started talking about the former minister. And they talked about him and one said, I will never forgive him. And I was saying, but you're the one who want us to pray the Lord's Prayer. They forget that in the Lord's Prayer it (laughs) says, forgive our sins as we forgive those sins against us. This is just a formality. We too often not pay attention when God is speaking to us. But Paul in the New Testament says, what happened to other people should be an example to us to pay attention. Let me press on quickly. Knowledge of sin. They did not realize that they were sinners. But then something else the Lord wanted to do. And what the Lord wanted to do is to invite these sinners to repent. He invites them to repent. You have repeatedly, he keeps saying, return, 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 return. This thrilled my heart. And I tell you why. Because God is the offended husband. Is the one who is insulted, is the one who is hurt, but is the one who started taking the initiative to go to the same people saying to them, "I still love you. Come back to me." Look at verse three, verse five of chapter three. There is a question there, chapter five, chapter three, verse five. There is a question there in that chapter 3, verse 5. It says this will you always be angry? Will you will your wrath continue forever? Now, when you come to chapter 4, verse sorry, chapter 3, still, verse 10, verse 12, there is an answer. So let me repeat again. Chapter 3, verse 5, there is a question. But in verse 12, there is an answer there, which it says. I am faithful or merciful. I will not be angry forever. Friends, both truths are in the Bible. God is angry. God is love. And we should keep them, not separate them. But one thing we need to make sure, they are not to be seen as equivalent as equal why because the love of God the love of God will always last to eternity but the anger of God can come to an end it will never last for eternity it can come to an end when someone comes and repents God will always be love. He will not be angry forever. Not that I say so, he says so. On a condition that we turn to him. And now, how do we turn to him? Look at verse 13. He says, basically, how do you return to me? Acknowledge your guilt. Remember last week, When he said to them, acknowledge your guilt, they say, what guilt? Guilt, what guilt? They were in denial. The first step towards repentance, friends, is to acknowledge that we are sinners. So let me say this briefly to you. Stop defending yourself. Stop pretending. Stop hiding from the Lord. Stop hiding behind I am fine. Stop running in that direction. Reverse the direction of your life. Turn around. Come back to him. Accept the responsibility. Just admit it. Why hide it when he sees it anyway? It is futile. It is pointless. It is exhausting. Ask David who sinned when he Hide the things in his heart. In Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9, he said, Boy, my bones within me were just crushing me. I could not sleep. It is exhausting. Just admit it and confess it and you will be right. Now because of conscience of time, let me try to come and summarize in this. But you said, I can't confess. It is too bad what I have done. My sins are too many. Well, let me tell you, come, friend. This week, I've never seen that before since I started the ministry. I've read it, but sometimes things just pass in your mind. I've realized one of the weakest kings that Israel have ever had and Judah had his man In 2 Chronicles chapter 32, he was one of the worst. He did awful things. He consulted witchcraft. He consulted medium. He was himself one involved in all sorts of spirit. And he committed adultery. Committed, committed, committed. He was worse. But when the Lord spoke to him, he repented. And he was forgiven. Friends, doors of the Lord are always open, even when they may seem closed or they could be closed. If he's the one who forgave someone like Manasseh and extended the same to the guilt ridden tax collector, is the one who extended his grace to the thief on the cross, is the one who extended his grace to uh, the chief sinners, Paul, as the Bible tells us. Then there is hope for you, even if your sins are many. But you may say, I'm no worse than them, so I'm more right. Well, let me tell you, someone also who was right. In fact, in that time, he was the one who was right, but he was asked to repent. Is Job. Job was right. Listen to the story of Job in chapter 1. He was blameless and he was right. But then, towards the end of his life in chapter 42, he repented in dust and ashes. The question is, what was the sin he committed? Well, when you look at it, because he has lost his wealth, he lost his health, he lost his, his family and his dignity, throughout that period of grieving, he began to complain and criticize God and saying, he's so unfair. Why is he silent and has not listened to me? He's so unjust. Why cannot you relieve me from my pain? God, you are unconcerned. You don't reward me from my innocence. Bitterness, pride, and resentment filled his heart. And when the Lord confronted him, he said, I repent worse repented the one who seems righteous repented well maybe you say I'm in the middle let me tell you come if you think your sins are too little let me tell you not too little when I became a Christian I entered into Scripture Union and they told us sin no matter how big it can be, if it is uh, like this or like this, they're just like a stone. I wish I brought some stone here, a big stone and a small stone. And uh, some of you, the sins may be big like this, like a stone, and others may be really small. But if you throw these into the water, they will all go down to the bottom. Maybe the bigger one will go faster, and the smaller one very small, uh, slow but they will reach the bottom. In other words, there is no sin too big. The little ones, those little last, last when you see the shopping mall, I want that. Those little last of a nice car. Well, last week at the beginning of evening service, there was a car just at the door. We were all like, ooh. Someone said, is this the pastor's car? And we all went there like, well, we wish we could send the bill to David Marks, you know? What a Porsche. I'm not saying that we should not have a Porsche car. But your heart can just go, ooh. You want, you want, you want. Those look and those evil thoughts, and sometimes they happen just in a moment and we forget them. But this little moment they reveals something deep in us to say hey we haven't yet conquered the power of sin in us and we need the Lord Jesus Christ I think my time is up but bear with me on a few things If we confess they are marvelous blessings Let me say three things without expanding them. Look at verse 14 all the way to verse 18. Marvelous blessings. Go and read yourself. And he's saying to them, look, if you confess, you return to me, the nation will be united. The nation will be reinvigorated. There will be union. There will be, there will be, there will be this. And that vision there will fulfill one day. But the other blessing, look at verse 22. He saying, if you return to me, there is healing. Healing, my friends. And then verse 1 and verse 2 of chapter 4. He said, if you return to me, if, if there are so many if there, then the nation. You would expect saying, if you return to me, your sins will be forgiven. Well, that's the obvious. Jeremiah knows and the people knows that if we return to the Lord, we will be forgiven. But there's something else there. If we return to the Lord, this repentance brings a mission. In other words, the Lord was saying it to them. Your backsliding, your going away has been hindering the mission. My mission to the nation. Return to me because that's what you were meant for at the beginning. I selected you so that you can become a vehicle of a blessing to the other nation. Return to me. Be the people you were intended to be, to worship me exclusively, then I will do my business of blessing others. Whenever we hear in the television all these fallout, all these, they are hindering the mission of God. When we come back to the Lord, friends, it's like being set on fire for the Lord. Another evangelist by the name of Sandy, Billy Sandy, gave one day something very remarkable. He, let me read this. He, he, he told a story of a well-known village atheist who was seen running vigorously to a burning church building, intent of joining with others in subduing the flames. And then a neighbor observed this atheist, and exclaimed, saying, Huh, this is something new for you, my friend. I never saw you going to church before. What has happened? The atheist replied, Well, this is the first time I have seen a church on fire. If the church is on fire, and the fire is ignited by our heart returning to the Lord, we may just see how many people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me close by saying this the repentance that the Lord is looking for is not a masquerade, it is not a mere sure repentance. But it is a deep, heartfelt repentance. Is that still on the screen? Or you guys are dozing because it's too hot. They are awake. That's what the Lord is looking for. I don't want to go in detail there. But keep in mind, the key things there circumcise your heart. There are two metaphors there. One is the plowing of the hard ground and the circumcising the heart. I I, I wish I could tell you everything I put here. But that can be a painful thing. But at the end, it will bring greater result. Why the heart? Because as we shall see next week, although the sins were rampant, But all were in the heart. And the Lord say, Give me your heart. And I'll change it. I will change it. As the words of Wesley, I'll give you a heart from free from sin set free. A heart that is always filled the love of God, a heart that is resigned, submissive, a heart where only the voice of Jesus Christ is heard, a new heart where the Word of God is written. That heart, this is a miracle, because it's a heart transplant can only be given to each one of us. But you know, friends, if you ask those who have gone through circumstances in their culture, they will tell you, it's not something that uh, yes, it has to be done in the group, like when 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 Joshua circumcised the people of Israel and all the men, is a whole group, but one. By one has to step forward. Looking at the knife is painful, but the knife is in the hand of the loving God. He will take away what hindered you so that your heart may be playable and give you a new heart. Would you step forward? Stop running. Confess. And you'll find yourself with a marvelous blessings which includes forgiveness of your sins, healing, and a new mission. To God be the glory.